today, I've entitled my message as part two of the series I've launched, Like Jesus, and today is Judge Like Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and it is active and it is good for us. And so God, today I pray that we would be inspired by your word, we'd be encouraged and uplifted, we'd be challenged to go and do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You know, uh, the church and the word judgment, unfortunately, goes together all too often, in my opinion. And I think it's actually because uh, for a large proportion of history, the church has done not so good a job at introducing people to Jesus or representing Jesus well. But it's not how it should be. The words judgment and church should not be in the same statement. I want to encourage you this morning that the church is awesome. It began as a very messy movement with a whole bunch of uh, dissidents of society. These disciples that rallied around Jesus were met by Jesus, were revolutionized by Jesus. And because of their belief in his resurrection, they caused a massive movement to kick into place and to start a laser-focused message. They were willing to go into the streets and preach about the goodness of being known as a child of God at no matter the cost. You can't deny the existence of the church and all that the church is. You think about this, it has survived the test of time and it's not only survived the test of time, it is growing It is still alive today. Our church, the church of Jesus Christ around the world is alive and it is growing. It's expanding. You know, originally the Christians were known as the way, the belief in this, the way, the truth and the life. The way was what they called themselves. And the message was simple. It was centered on Jesus. You think about this, in that that time when it was all starting, this small group of young people and all of the followers that started following Jesus essentially took on the superpower of the world in Rome, started to rise up against a Jewish traditional religion that had been imposed on that society for a thousand years and began to change the world. Jesus, which it was all centered around, a a Jewish carpenter, you think about Jesus, uh, spent most of his life just living, getting ready, and then only three years in ministry, speaking about a kingdom that wasn't from this world, offending almost everyone in one way, shape, or form. The rulers trying to work out what to do with him, the, the, the Pharisees, the, the, the pastors of the day trying to trap him and catch him because they wanted to kill him. Moments in his ministry where almost everyone left him and walked away from him to the point where he was then captured, publicly humiliated, publicly crucified and died with only three years of public ministry. Then his small group, his small band of followers started convincing other people that they'd seen him rise from the dead that they'd eaten with him, that they'd touched him, that they'd worshipped with him, that they'd heard him encourage them of what they were going to do. And then he was lifted up into the heavens 
before them. That started Christianity. What was it about Jesus that he could achieve in three years of public ministry something so incredible that you and I are sitting on a chair in a church over 2,000 years since he walked the face of this planet with now over a third of our current world population stating that they have a faith that is centered in Jesus Christ. It is incredible. The church is alive, it is growing, and it is awesome. And this story is a story that you and I are now a part of, and it is up to us to continue telling that story. We must have an urgency for souls. You know, I firmly believe this world needs a Jesus revolution. And I'm excited that you and I are a part of this movement and that we are going to be a church that sees revival take place and you and I are going to be a part of this. Just think about how it started and where we're up to. Think about now with the momentum of the church and what you and I could achieve as we represent Jesus to the world around us. Our series to live like Jesus. Last, lastly, we started with shine like Jesus. Today's judge like Jesus. We're going to jump into next week, love like Jesus lead like Jesus and live like Jesus. Today, judge like Jesus. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. 1 John chapter 4, live like Jesus. As you and I, church, live like Jesus, we are going to represent the real Jesus to the humanity around us. And it is a Jesus that we need to represent. You know, I'm convinced, and I know I say this all the time, but it's such a statement of truth that when you introduce someone to Jesus, the only thing they're going to be upset about is that you did not introduce them to him sooner. Because he's awesome. Jesus, judge like Jesus. You know, we all judge. We say we don't, but we do. It, it, it happens often in the first moment when we meet someone, when we get into something new, when we go somewhere new, we pass judgment instantaneously. We can't help it. It's a part of our makeup. But what's important is what we do with the judgment that we pass in that moment. What are we taught as children? Don't judge a book by its cover. But we all do it. We can't help it. We all judge books by their covers. We judge movies by their titles. We judge people by the way they look. We judge experiences by the vibe of when we're walking in. or We, we take stock of that very first initial encounter and we pass a judgment in that moment. But like I said, what you do with that judgment is then what counts. Whether you accept the judgment that you're thinking whether you take that thought captive, whether you act on it, whether you put it to the side. What we do with that judgment is really, really important. The prophet Samuel, we heard Jack preach last week, did it with Jesse and his boys, passed judgment on them. Think about Peter, he did it with the food that was lowered before him on the blanket in his dream. The disciples did it with the woman at the well. Everyone passes judgment. So let's look at how Jesus talks about this. Next slide, Matthew chapter 7, 
verses 1 to 2. Jesus said, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. The standard you use in judging others is the standard by which you will be judged. I like that sentence. It's a wonderful sentence. Because I got thinking about it, and I thought, okay, Jesus, well, I'm just going to judge everyone with love. I'm going to judge everyone with mercy. I'm going to judge everyone with forgiveness. I'm going to choose to judge people with the biggest grace I can muster up, the the most love I can conjure up. I'm going to judge people that way because I know that you've said that that's a standard by which I will then be judged. I like that. I really enjoyed thinking that thought. I was like, this is really awesome. This could actually be a winner. I was like, yes. And I want to prove to you that Jesus stands by his statements. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Don't condemn others or it will come back against you. I want to tell you a story. It's about a young school teacher uh, from England. She'd been teaching for 13 years. She decided it was time to travel to America and travel across the States to see all the sites that she had been teaching about. So she did. She was traveling alone, hired a truck, a camper in tow, and off she set, launched out. However, one afternoon, coming into the town of San Francisco, her truck hits the curb, and uh, she's wobbling a bit, has to pull over, smoke starts coming out of the front, lots of different things going on, and uh, little did she know, but she'd blown a water pump on her truck. She's tired, she's at the end of the day, she's trying to come in to find a place to stay, exasperated, scared and alone. I've set the scene. In spite of the traffic jam though that she had caused during peak hour traffic, no one stopped. So she gets out, leans against the truck and prays a prayer. She said, please God, send me an angel. Preferably one though with mechanical experience. Within minutes, a massive Harley being ridden by an enormous man sporting long flowing black hair, a beard and tattooed arms comes riding up within minutes. With an incredible air of confidence, he jumps off without even glancing at the lady, went to work on her truck. Within another few minutes, he flags down a larger truck, hitches it, tows it off, the main road onto a side road without even talking to the lady, gets straight back into working on her truck. Intimidated, the school teacher was so dumbfounded with what was going on, she noticed and read what was written on the back of his leather jacket Hell's Angels, California. As he finished the task, she finally got up the courage to say, thank you so much, and tried to initiate some small talk. Noticing her surprise at the whole ordeal, he looked her straight in the eye and mumbled, don't judge a book by its cover. 
got on his Harley and took off just as quick as he had appeared. Like Jesus. Live like Jesus. If he is Christ, then we need to be Christians. Jesus. You think about Jesus, there was something attractive about Jesus. Despite all of the craziness that was going on with his ministry, crowds flocked to him. People loved him. Why? Well, the message he was teaching was something of freedom, something of hope, something of life, something, to, something that these Jewish people who had been oppressed by rules and laws and commandments for generations and all of this ridiculous stuff that, that they didn't even, didn't even really want to do, but they had to do it. Well, this guy was preaching a new message and they liked it. But he wasn't just preaching a new message. He was healing them, setting them free, feeding them. I mean, turning a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread into a massive feast, a sunset feast on the side of a mountain, walking on water, raising the dead. I mean, spitting on the ground, making little mud pies, putting them on people's eyes. The incredible things that this guy was doing, he was attracting crowds of people to follow him, flocking to him, couldn't get enough of him. Like Jesus was making a massive stir. But that's what he wanted to do, to attract people, to teach them a new way to live, to help them recognize just how much they meant to him. And I want to jump into a story today with someone that the world judged, the people around him judged, but Jesus brings a different type of judgment. It's the story of the demoniac man, demon-possessed, healed by Jesus, set free by Jesus. And uh, it's a bit of a story, so I want you to turn your eyes to the screen and let's read this one together. Mark chapter 5, it says this, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. So they, this was the moment just after the massive storm had happened where Jesus was sleeping on the pillow in the boat, fast asleep. Disciples wake him up. He deals with their unbelief, rebukes the storm. They get to the other side and this is where we pick up that story. It says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with chains. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. And Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. 
So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. A couple of things about this story for us to, to think about. Firstly, this was a Gentile place. The region of the Gerasenes is made up of two towns, one Gergesa and the second Gerasa. You know, it's interesting that Jesus would even take time to go to a town that was filled with Gentiles. Because Jesus himself said that I haven't come for others. I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus had a mission and he came and he was fulfilling that mission. But there was moments where the goodness of the heart of the Father, where a glimpse of who God wanted to be to the whole world took place in the ministry of Jesus. And this was one of those moments. And I love that. I love that Jesus was always doing what the Father told him to do, only did what the Father told him to do. So this man, this moment in Jesus's ministry was ordained by the Father. It was an intention of the heart of the Father to free this man. Think about this guy. He's, he's living in caves and to, around tombs in the place of the dead. They chain him up. He breaks out of the chains. They chain him up again. His society had no idea how to deal with him, had no idea what to do with him. I mean, to get to that place where you chain someone up, and cast them out of society, that's a deal. I mean, the judgment that had been placed on this man by others, and, and just think about this, be, be honest in your thoughts for a moment. If you were in the story, if you were walking by, if you were fishing, or if you had traveled to that town, would you engage or would you avoid? What would be going on in your heart? What judgment would you pass and what would you act on in that moment? You see, I love how Jesus comes to him and sees through everything that's going on to the man, to the humanity in the story. Not intimidated, not overwhelmed. I love that nothing was going to stop Jesus in this moment from showing mercy, bringing love and making a real massive public statement and not just a statement to the people of that time and in that town, a spiritual statement, but a statement to you and I today that no one is too far gone, that nothing 
is too big for Jesus to deal with. That there is nothing that we might pass judgment over that God cannot handle. You see, the world's solution was chains. But Jesus came to break chains. A too hard basket for probably most people, but not for Jesus. And I love that. You know, imagine the torment that he must have been going through to cut himself with stones. It says he's howling, cutting himself, hopeless, homeless, alone, alone with his thoughts and alone. That would have been awful. I I like to put myself into the stories of the Bible. And I think, well, first of all, what, what happened to this man to lead him to this point? What took place? What did he allow? Or what was imposed upon him? It's like every human being around us. We don't know where they were born. We don't know what they were born into. We don't know what they've gone through. And so we must be careful with how we pass judgment or with what we act on when we pass judgment over others. You know, I think about that guy. Was he a dad? Had he lost his family? Was he a young man? Was he a middle-aged man? Was he an older man? I think about him, howling out, knowing, knowing nothing else, knowing not what to do, trying to release pain out of his life by cutting him, howling. Will, everyone, will anyone ever love me? Will, will my life ever be able to be better? Will, will I ever be welcomed back in to the town? Could someone ever help me? Imagine the questions that this guy would think going to bed at night or waking up in the morning, needing someone to reach out into his story. Jesus was the guy who reached out into his story. You know, this this man had become so controlled, so overwhelmed, so possessed by this legion of demons that when Jesus talks to the man, the man doesn't respond, the demon responds. Imagine at what state you are in for that to have to start to be what is controlling your life. It's incredible. You know, the, uh, the 2,000 pigs that Jesus allowed the demons to go and enter and to, you know, rally up all of them and off they went and killed themselves... Have a think about that. Jesus was willing to potentially cause a big issue with this town. Because in that place, pigs were food. In that place, pigs were allowed in their society. They were farming them. You don't have 2,000 pigs in one place for no reason. Jesus was willing for one man. One man to bring freedom to one man's life, causing 2,000 pigs. Pigs that could probably produce other pigs. Like not just taking away sustenance or food for what they were in that moment, but taking away maybe someone's business, someone's industry. Jesus was willing to do that because he's not just about the now and the present. And he does care for that town. And I'll prove that to you in a minute with my final statement out of this story. But he's willing to go that far for one person. I love that. 
I also love this, that God was withholding the power of the enemy over that man because as soon as they went into the pigs, what happened? Death. See, sometimes we might think, oh, that might be judgment of God. Well, God was withholding the power of the enemy over this man's life so that he wouldn't die. I love that. Now, we don't know how he got there or what was going on, but we do know that God was withholding death from this man, that the power of the enemy was not able to do what the enemy wanted to do with that man's life, got him close, living in the tombs, living in the caves, got him close, he was alone, no one with him, no one loved him, got him close, cutting himself, but God ensured that that man was not killed so that Jesus was able to enter into that man's story and bring life and freedom and hope. I love what this story means for the world around us. You see, to the world, unwelcome, unloved, unworthy, helpless, homeless, howling, hated, tormented, but to Jesus worth every effort. Just for one man, love, saved, redeemed, restored, set free, set apart, and set on fire. I love it. Look at how the story finishes. This guy, so radicalized in this moment, so transformed, that he's begging Jesus, Jesus, let me go with you. All I want is you right now, Jesus. And what does Jesus say? No, go home. Go to your people and tell them what God has done for you. Tell your world, tell your sphere about the mercy of Jesus Christ. You see, God did care about that town. It wasn't like he was taking away the food and he's like, ah, in your face, how dare you judge this man? How dare you lock him up? No, no, no. God cared about the man and God cared about the town because God cares about souls. I love how Jesus in this story teaches us not to judge people, but to see through all of what's going on on the outside, on the inside, and to judge them with love. One encounter with Jesus caused the life of this man to be transformed, revolutionized, radicalized forevermore. Can you imagine how good he would have been about telling people about the goodness of God? You might have a situation in your story where something in your own life might be in a too hard basket. Can I encourage you this morning? It's not too hard for God. And it might just be that too hard basket that becomes the testimony The light shining into the whole world, testifying of the goodness of being a child of God. You know what I love about this story? Is that at the end of the day, regardless of the issues, Jesus is the answer. Jesus, through a life-threatening storm, came and appears just for one man in this moment, willing to go through it all this way to make sure that he was saved. John 3, 17 says this, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus Christ into our world, into our humanity, not to judge us, but to save us. 
to give us hope and life forevermore. God does not want to judge us and he doesn't judge us. Jesus has taken the judgment. He loves us, always has, always will. This was his mission statement, his purpose in life, his goal, not to judge but to save. Church, judge like Jesus. Just think about Jesus and all that he was. All the stories, all the moments, the disciples passing judgment over the woman at the well. What? How's Jesus talking to this lady? But yet he chose to tell her, the first one, that he was the Messiah. The Roman centurions, the tax collectors, the, the prostitutes, even the disciples, the ones that no one else wanted to use to do ministry. Jesus came along and taught us a way to live. And we need to live like Jesus. You see, the demoniac was chained. He was feared. Left all alone, yet Jesus came to him, helped him, healed him, and set him free. One encounter with Jesus can change someone. Introducing to, to someone Jesus could be the beginning of a whole new story for their life. I believe it all starts with us. Jesus told us to equally important to loving God, the first and greatest commandment, that secondly, we must love your neighbor as yourself. We all judge ourselves often harsher than we judge others because we know what we've done. We know what we're doing. We know what we think. Can I encourage you to judge yourself the way Jesus judges you? If you can believe it for someone else, I encourage you this morning, if it's been a struggle in your journey lately, judging yourself, condemning yourself because of things that you've done or things that you've engaged in or things that you've allowed, given into, judge yourself the way Jesus judges you. Because when he sees you, love overwhelms him. When Jesus sees you, when he looks at you, Love rises up, joy rises up. Think of the cross. It's your proof that he loves you. You don't have to worry about what you've done. Trying to change what you've done is impossible because it's done. Even trying to change what you do, it's not actually really your role. That's God's role. God is the one who changes us corrects us, equips us, challenges us. That's not our role. Our role is to do what he has asked us to do, to stay focused on the mission. As we get focused on the mission, as we live like Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. What are you not achieving that you could be because of the judgment that you've passed on yourself? Or what are you not achieving because you refuse to take stock of what God has actually done for you? Sometimes it's not even that we judge ourselves, is that we won't even open up that conversation. We don't even want to start thinking about what we've done. We don't even want to start thinking about what we're doing. Is it head in the sand? Let's just keep going. All right, get to church Sunday. All right, Monday, back to work. All right, let's make these things happen. And, and, and we, we slip into a rat race, a rhythm of the world, but that's restriction. God has given us freedom. If you can love, forgive, and encourage others, 
And church, it's time to start to do that for you. Because doing it for you will unlock you. It releases you. It's time to live again. It's time to wake up again. It's time to be stirred again. It's time to dream again. How can God use you? And God can use you. Don't sit there today passing judgment on yourself. Who gives you the right? If Jesus has taken what you have done all the way to the cross and pinned it there, then who gives you the right to pass judgment over yourself, let alone over those around you? Only Jesus will sit on the seat of judgment, but that seat of judgment is a seat of mercy. It's how he judges. It's what the cross proves to you and I. If you don't think it's right to judge others, then why is it okay to judge yourself? But we all do it. Again, like I said, for others, what you do with that judgment is important. If you allow it to restrict you, when it's something that Jesus Christ has pinned to the cross to set you free from, then you are slipping in to a mindset where you'll either think that you can't do your calling or you'll become so comfortable with what you're allowing that you'll live with it, you'll give in to it and you'll think that it's just a part of who you are. But that's not true. Check this out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Mercy is way more powerful than judgment. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. So love, no mistake, no regret is too big for the mercy of Jesus. There is not something that you have done that is more powerful than the cross. There is not something that you are doing that is more powerful than the cross. Everything submits to the name of Jesus James chapter 2 verse 13 says this, There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when He judges you. With the standard that you use when you judge others and judge yourself is the same standard that God will use when He judges you. As you show mercy to those around you, as you show mercy to yourself, God brings mercy into your story. I share all of this to lead me to this one point. If you don't think God can use you because of what you've done or because of what you're doing, He can. And He wants to. He wants to use you. Can I get the band to join me, please? You know, if you don't think that God can't use you, then let's go get him. If you're sitting there today and say, well, I, 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 think I've, I think I'm in a good place at the moment, Pastor Joe. I know God loves me and I'm loving God and things are pretty rosy up in my spiritual journey at the moment. Can I tell you, it's time to plunder hell and populate heaven then. It's time for us to get busy doing what God has left us here to do. But if you don't think God can use you, or you don't think God is using you because of what you've done or what you're doing, 
Let me remind you of the story of Peter. See, Peter also thought that. Spent three years with Jesus. Was a part of incredible miracles taking place. Being invested into one-on-one by Jesus for three years of his life. Jesus stirring him up, getting him ready to send him out. And in the most difficult time of their ministry, in the moment where Jesus would have appreciated a good friend, what did Peter do? Wasn't a man of his word. Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll even die with you. Denied him, cursed him. When Jesus looked at Peter in that moment when the rooster crowed and he had just finished for the third time denying that he was a follower of Jesus after all they'd been through, Peter ran. The story goes on. Jesus is whipped, beaten, crucified and died, buried. Peter wasn't there. He rose again. Peter wasn't there. Where does Jesus find Peter when he is raised from the dead and starts going around and meeting people? Fishing. It's where Jesus found him right at the start of his journey. Fishing. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're not called to be a fisherman. You're called to be a fisher of men. Come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for men. You see, Peter is like, well, God can't use me now. I've stuffed up. It's too big. Jesus, he's dead. I don't know what's going on. I I thought he was the one. I thought we were going to change the world together. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I'm just good for fishing. I'll just go back and do what I was doing. Back to doing what I know. And what does Jesus do? He comes and finds him and calls him, cooks him a meal and asks him a question. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times asking him this question, do you love me? It's all Jesus cared about. And Peter responds every time, I love you, Lord. I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus says to Peter, then go and do what I've told you to do, Peter. Go and feed my sheep. Go and feed my lambs. Go and look after my sheep. Go and do what I have called you to do. And I believe that Jesus is saying that to you today. Do you love me? It's the only prerequisite to you doing what Jesus wants you to do. It's the only thing that you have to work out is that if you love Jesus Christ, then He chooses you. If you love Jesus, then Jesus chooses you. If you love Jesus, then Jesus wants to use you. He can use you. He wants to use you and He will use you. Do you love Jesus? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning as I bring this sermon to a close. The goal of my sermon today is this, and I know it's what God wants you to know. Number one, to give you freedom and to remind you that you've been born again. That if you're a Christian, 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been set free, set apart and set on fire. You've been born again. You're not what you've done. You are what He did every day of every week. You are not what you look at. You are not what you intake. You are not what you partake of. You are what He did. You are what He is doing. And He wants you to be a part of it. Number two, let it release you to achieve what you've been called to achieve. Don't wait. I want to encourage you, church. It's time to rise. It's time to stand. It's time to live like Jesus. It's time that the church would be known by a people, a group of people that would represent Jesus well in their community, that would represent Jesus well in their workplace, that would represent Jesus well in their family. Stop judging yourself. You might think, well, I don't judge others. Well, don't judge yourself. Allow yourself to be released into all that God has for you. Come on, would you close your eyes this morning? I want to pray for us today. Because I know that each and every one of us needs to be set on fire for what God has set us free to do. He's in the room. Jesus, we honor you. We exalt you. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you that your love for us is proved to us by that cross. Just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you chose to go to that cross, a public statement cemented in history that you died for humanity because you love us because you want us. And so God, this morning, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you bring things to the forefront in people's minds, things that are holding them back. And Lord, together, we lay them at your feet. Come on, this is a moment for you to engage him with your eyes closed. I want to encourage you to lean into him the things that you've done, the things that you've engaged in. Lay them down this morning. Stop allowing them to rob you because God has pinned them to the cross. Stop allowing them to flood your mind. Stop allowing them to rob you of your calling, of why Jesus chose you to be born at this time. Whatever it is, it's not more powerful than the cross. Whatever it is, the blood of Jesus washes us as white as snow. So in this moment, across the room, I'm going to pray. I want you to let it go. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to command freedom. I'm going to make some words, some statements, some declarations over your life, and I want you to engage in them. I want you to take them on, make them yours.
Because these things, we don't want them anymore. Heavenly Father. God, I thank you that your word says that you see everything. You know it all. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word says that despite all this, while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus Christ down to earth to go to the cross. The purpose of his life, his mission to redeem us and restore us. So this morning, Lord, we lay at your feet everything that we have done the things that we are allowing even right now in our life that we know we shouldn't. We know they're hurting us or they're hurting our future. I declare freedom this morning over these things. Freedom in the mind, freedom in our heart. In Jesus' name, Satan, I rebuke you in your lies that come from the pit of hell. Today they cease, they stop in Jesus' name. We are not what we have done. And we are not what we are doing. But we choose today to step in to the truth of the word that we are born again. That we will be resurrected with Jesus Christ. That our salvation is because of Him. We choose today to say no devil, no more. We rebuke those lies that condemn us, that judge us. We rebuke the reminders that come back again and again. Lord, I declare freedom over those things this morning right now in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. No more reminders of the things we once did or the things we've done. No more in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would wash them out in Jesus' name. God, I pray that they would become distant memories this morning in Jesus' name. I declare freedom in mind and freedom in thought in Jesus' name. Lord, right now, I declare that there would be an unrestricted running. Lord God, that we would see the way you lived and that we would live like you. God, I pray right now, Lord, for the gifts that have been laying dormant, the dreams that have been put on hold, Lord God, the, the callings on our lives. God, I pray that we would be stirred up right now in this moment, in Jesus' name. Lord God, that your love would set us on fire to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. God, I speak blessing and favour over every person, over every family represented, over every business represented, over every street represented. Blessing and favour, abundant life in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone who wants that says, Amen. Amen. Church, God bless you. I pray that encourages you this morning and releases you. I pray that you can take that, mull over it, meditate on it. If you need to, listen to it again. I want to encourage you to talk with those in your family and go, come on, what are we doing? It's time to stand. Come on, it's time, it's, it's time to get out there. It's time to dream again. You know, this morning, uh, I want to offer an opportunity to you in the room uh, who are not Christian. 
If there's someone here today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So church, would you just, would you just one more time, just close your eyes. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you that Jesus does want you. That what you've been through in your life, Jesus has endured it all with you because He loves you. And His plan for you, the best version of your story, is possible with Jesus in it. So if that's you this morning, I just invite you so I know you're here. Would you just raise your hand right now to say, yep, I choose Jesus. I want Jesus. Awesome. I see your hand up the back there. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anyone else down the front here, there in the middle? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. You guys can put your hands down. Four people today. Come on, church. That's awesome. Let's celebrate that. Come on. It's so good. Come on, just one more time. Just close your eyes, church. I just want to look across the room one more time. Is there anyone else here that wants to do that today? You're like, I want Jesus. Can I encourage you, if you've never given him a go, give him a go. You won't be disappointed. He wants you. He loves you. Awesome. Well, come on, church. Let's pray with these people. And if you're one of these four people that put your hand up today, I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. And let's pray together loud and proud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for taking my place. Today, I choose you. I give you my life. I want you in my story. I want all that you have for me. Show me the way to live to live like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate him again. You know, my friend, those of you that put your hands up, uh, we celebrate you because the Bible says that a party gets thrown in heaven when even one person get saved. Someone comes into relationship with Jesus. Uh, and this is what I want you to do. Uh, today, it's going to be me uh, up the back of the room there at the hub. We've got a banner and it's called Next Steps. And uh, this is what I want you to do. If you're one of those four people, uh, if it was your first time or if it was a recommitment, I'd love to chat with you. Uh, if you. If it is your first time, I'd love to give you a Bible and a Christian study book. And uh, if you will allow me, I'd love to just answer any questions or pray for you. I'd love to take your name and I'd love to get you connected into the life of our church, into our family. If it's a recommitment, I'd love to still see you because I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to pray with you. And uh, I know that there's people in this church that uh, if you want to do that Christian study book with someone, I'm sure lots of us would love to do it with you, maybe even one of the friends that you came with today. So Church God bless you. Uh, let's praise Him as we go out today. He's a good God. He deserves all our praise. And uh, I like finishing this service with a praise song because uh, some of us miss them at the start and uh, and it's a really cool way to get us all stirred up together as we go out and do what we've just preached about. So God bless you church. Have a wonderful Sunday and I'll uh, see you out there for our fellowship time.